Welcome back to Don't Call It a Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Daniel. We have a special guest today. We have the SPFBO winner, author of The Gray Bastards, Jonathan French. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks. Um, so we've got we've got a bunch of questions. We've we've got a bunch of uh, games, questions and games. Dan, oh do you want to start us off? Yeah, right off the bat, Jonathan, something that's been nagging at my mind as I've read The Great Bastards and a question that I think you will have some expertise in is um, if you had to fuck, marry, and kill Claymaster, Sludge Man, or the Rat Wizard from the tower, um, what order would you do those three? Oh, all right. Fuck, marry, kill, Claymaster, Sludge Man, or Abzul. Yes. Yes, the Rat, the, the rat Wizard. Um, okay. Uh, that is an awesome. I'm I'm gonna start drinking right now. That's an amazing Perfect. question. Um, yeah. So let's see. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go with. Um, I would kill Abzul the Rat Wizard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would marry the Claymaster, and I would fuck the Sludge. That because I mean I don't know if you want to know the reasons why. I'd love to hear your reasons why. Okay. All right. So. Here's the thing. Sludge Man, the reason I would fuck him, let's just start there. Yeah. Um, he is sort of based on this, like, he, you know, he's based on a lot of stuff. But one of the things he's based on is this one performance that John Cusack did in this movie. And now, see, I can't even remember the title of it, but it was <laughs> it was an obscure, it came out just a few years ago. Nicole Kidman was in it. And so was um, Zac Efron and somebody can Google it. They'll figure it out. Yeah. But it's this, like he plays like this guy in prison and he's kind of this creepy Southern dude and he's affecting. And there's this whole amazing scene where Nicole Kidman and him have like a conjugal visit without touching each other. It's messed up, but it's amazing. (laughs) And like, and so that I'm not going to say like the sludge man is based on John Cusack, but it is based on like a character he played sort of. Uh And so, you know, I can kind of go into my headspace. I can like, Cause I can get with John Cusack, like gross point blank era. Like that's a sexy uh-huh. man. So, yeah. and, and let's face it, sludge man, no lack of lube. Right. right? So right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's, a good point. that's that. So I can, that's okay. I can do that. Um, clay master, you know, um, I've been married. You can deal with a lot of odious stuff married and you know, there's not a lot of sex in marriage. So, you know, he and I, <laughs> I think he and I could like have a good working relationship. We could be, we could be a partner. Like he, I could deal with him. Uh-huh. I could live with him. Uh-huh. Um, he's not, but Abzul, that old nasty bastard. No, he's just, he's a fucking die. Like, <laughs> like his fate is probably better than what he deserves. Honestly. Oh but yeah. No, he, yeah, yeah. He, no, he, fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. So I actually, this was the exact same order I came up with as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm glad we're all on the same page starting off the interview. Yeah, yeah, I was on the same page. I wasn't quite as eloquent with my reasons. Mine was more of a gut feeling, but yeah, same, completely same order. I, uh, I don't know how you're going to top that question. I really, <laughs> I really don't know. I guess you did. That's strong. That's strong out of the gate. Strong intro. Okay, uh, let's let's we'll 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 get a couple a couple more serious questions and then and then see if we can top it after that. Uh, let's see. So. Uh, we, one thing that I wanted to ask you about is something that we talked about a lot 
was the the orcs and what you hear about the orcs. And Dan mostly came up with with thoughts on that a lot of this is like propaganda. Uh, I was going to ask you if you like intentionally incorporate kind of ignorance in of the other races or if if it's more of like, yeah, that's actually what they are or if it's or, or if we're kind of on the spot with some propaganda. You're kind of on the spot. I mean, I don't know that I would go with propaganda in that there's not an organized effort to up any legend or anything. Um, but there is a lot of ignorance in that the orcs are, well, I should say the half orcs and the lots are very ignorant because they are basically townies, mm. right? <laughs> um, no, I mean, in the lots, they're there it is an isolated society right so the the mongrel hooves like jackal and company they are competent and they are you know warriors but they're townies like they haven't traveled their their worldview is entirely narrow and so i tried to base it a lot on just interactions i have with people in my own life i mean when I'm, sadly and i'm this way when you talk to a lot of people most people don't know a lot outside their life experience. So it really depends on how broad your life experience is, right? So, I mean, I've lived overseas. So the places I visited and lived, I have a broad view. But if you were to ask me like some random question about like Moldavia, I'd be really ignorant because I don't know shit about Moldavia, right? And so the the, the half-orcs, they know the lots and that's it. They really don't know Hispartha all that well, mm-hmm. much less... Uh, the orc land of Dargest. So when when you're dealing with a, a lot of what they know and don't know, geography, culture, they're pretty ignorant. And so I, I tried to do that on purpose. So you're not wrong. Like there is there is a lot of assumption. There is a lot of kind of, um, I wouldn't go so far as to say superstition, but it's sort of the cascade effect of just sort of being narrow and not having a ton of education outside what is necessary within the hoof. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you can't trust. It's not just unreliable narrator. It's just kind of cultural ignorance. And we see that even now. Like, I see that all the time just in life. So, you know, I mean, there there's some fake news going on. But, like, legit fake news. Not right. not like, oh, it's a hand wave. You know, oh, we're right. saying that to like, yeah. So, I don't know if that answered it. but Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um. Okay, so in the Lotlands and in this in this universe you've created, um, there has kind of been this opportunity for domestication of an animal that we haven't really domesticated in the same way. So the hogs are kind of these domesticated beasts of burden or traveling right. animals. Um, and I'm kind of curious if if you could go back like. I don't know, 120,000 years ago when we started domesticating a dog and tell people, no, 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 don't do, don't do wolves, do X. Like what animal yeah. would you have had us like start off domesticating rather than wolves? Rather than wolves. Mm-hmm. Um, like a moose, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, like, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like we fucked up with horses. Like we didn't go big enough. Like we need, uh-huh. like, I feel like a moose is sort of the perfect blend. Like yeah. that thing is big. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if you guys have ever been near a moose, but they are big. <laughs> it's terrifying. And they're, they're terrifying and they're yeah. dangerous and they're strong. But I feel like that, that they would have been a much better kind of like mount animal mm-hmm. than a horse. Cause mm-hmm. 
you know, much bigger. Plus those big old rack of, I guess it's antlers on a moose. I don't know what it is. I it's think not horns. So. It's, yeah. I, I call it, it antlers. Yeah. yeah. Antlers. I think, I think that I, I, and honestly, I mean, just saying like, hang on, I need to go like tie up my moose. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, I think it's a lot better. I, I think we, and I think we messed up. We, yeah. I, I, I mean, if you're talking about, you're talking about like pet animals, not like beasts of burden. So like a moose for a mount, mm, I think is perfect. Definitely. Um, yeah. But I mean, as far as like your companion, it, you know, like, cause instead of dogs, like what's your, what's sort of man's best friend, like the companion. Sure. Animal? Sure. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think, um, I think maybe we should have, I think maybe we would have done better off with like a, a, a warthog or a boar or something, mm. honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're, they're just as smart and you know, they eat anything right. and they, they're, I don't know. I, I mean, I think I kind of did it when I wrote it, honestly. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I think so too. I think moose is I a mean, great I'm... answer. Uh, especially yeah. if, the, like, I'm thinking now about if I have, like, a bow and arrow and I'm on a moose, then I have these, like, pre-built shields that are up right here. <laughs> so I could just hide behind one of those antlers and yes. be totally good. And also perfect storage. I mean, you're hanging extra quivers off that thing. You can be drying meat as you go, like you're making jerky, like as you're traveling, there's stuff just hanging off there. I mean, it's fine. Your clothes get wet, hang them up, ride bareback for a while, let the air cool. I'm telling you, I, I you, you're, yeah. I think we need I to mean, start now. Smart. I think we need to start now. <laughs> Before they're gone. Let's, I need to get on it. Maybe we are heading for some mass extinctions, yeah. guys. Like, I hate Maybe we'll talk to Justin Trudeau and see if the Canada can get a program going on up there. Right. They, yeah. I mean, because they are the first to handle it. Right. It's not our, yeah. No one in Alaska is going to do shit. <laughs> my God. Um. <laughs> For sure. Uh, okay. I've got. I've got a real. A real specific question. So because uh, these first, haven't well, been specific so far. <laughs> right. Like at all. <laughs> So okay, for preliminary question for this, mm. you ever been to one of those, uh, one of those axe throwing? Yeah, love things. it. Yeah. What? So my question for the for the for the bastards, it's really hard to get one of those guys to stick into the wood. What happens if someone misses their throw? Well, I mean, I don't think you're in the hoof if you miss that throw. Um, okay. I mean, first of all, I mean, it's hard to get to stick into the wood. If you're kind of a bitch, I mean, like, I mean, I mean, look, I am not. I, I grew up as a total nerd. I was not an athlete. I was not a jock. I mean, I was picked on. To, I mean, don't get me wrong. I went to axe throwing, and I was like, wow, I found my calling. Like, yeah. And this was after the book had come out. Like, I'd done it a little bit in the scouts when I was mm-hmm. a kid. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother used to throw knives. So you know, <laughs> back I'd go to my my grandparents' farm, and like, I've I'd thrown some bladed material before, but I hadn't done it seriously. And me and my wife and my cousin, who is almost 10 years to the day younger than me, he's the closest thing I have to a little brother. This guy's an army veteran. He has the, the whole line. He has muscles in his shit. When I was describing Oates, he's talking about my cousin. He is, his biceps are like 22 inches, like around there. He, and he's, this dude is huge. Yeah. And he, he, I would not fuck with him for any reason under the sun, but I kicked his ass at axe throwing. Like he sucked. And I was, I was, I mean, literally it didn't matter. The instructor would come up, give me different ways to hold it. Give me different throws upside down backwards. It was just like, I was, I was rain man when it came to throwing axes. So maybe it was a little bit of life imitating art. I don't know, but no, you, you are, you do not have a hoof tattoo 
you do not have a hoof name if you suck at throwing axes. So basically, I feel like if you miss your throw, then you're on the block suddenly. I think I think it's like, I think it's like you know we're voting for this, but now we're thinking about voting you out because right. you just missed the throw. You suck. You know, so I don't know. Go back to the slops because fuck you. Right? <laughs> well, good. Luke Luke tried to pitch this one at me earlier on in our series, and I think I threw the exact same answer at him. I, I mean, I, I went, and I was like less than 10%. It was rough. <laughs> I... You're overthinking it. You're overthinking it. You just, I mean, it, it's the Matrix, man. There is no spoon. You just got to like, mm. you don't even need that much power either. Like, I mean... See, that's what the instructor told me, and I took it too far, and I, like, lobbed it, and it was bad. So, so I mean, look, I've had off days. I've been a couple times. There have been days where I felt like I couldn't do any wrong, and then there are days where I was just like, where'd my mojo go? But, I mean, it's a pretty it's a pretty amazing equalizer when you when – you, I'm not a science guy, but when you look at the physics of it and you think about how that thing twirls and how the weight carries it over, you suddenly realize why, like, man invented any type of lever or tool because – you can be a small dude and you heave an axe at someone and they are not going to take that lightly. Now, you have to be kind of accurate, but, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, hey, I'll, just keep going, man. You'll get there. You'll, we'll, we'll, we'll drum you into the hoof yet. Yeah. There. Thank you. Thank you. That's what I needed to hear. <laughs> Everyone's got their thing. You're probably badass at something that we couldn't touch, right? right? I mean, who knows? <laughs> just keep keep trying crazy stuff. and you. <laughs> um okay i i actually want to take us back to the sludge man just for a second Mm. um there is this scene where jackal is racing against the sludge man to get back to the kiln um and when we're introduced to the sludge man the image that i had was kind of like a mix between job of the hut and a slug this just Mm. like big bulbous gooey thing um And I'm just curious how you see this sludge man traveling long distances. Like, what do you think his mode of transportation is to get around? If if it's a physical mode. It is. And it's funny. It's because it was never mentioned because there was no way to really reveal it, or at least not a way I found at the time. Sludge uh-huh. man's using the rivers. So he's, yeah, right. So he okay. has his own personal yeah, highway, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? There, you know, he's in the water. So where Jackal is on hearth and just like booking cross country trying to get there, Sludge Man is submerged. He's he's flowing. He's like you know alligators in the sewers type shit. So so that's where that's where that now and there was just no, it was sucked because it was a detail that was in there. I knew it when I was writing, but it was just head, it was head cannon. I could not find a way to like. So it just became like, well, we don't know. So it's an Alfred Hitchcock thing. It makes him creepier. It makes him worse it's you know it's so i just thought what you don't see is a little bit scarier and then he's more of a monster but yeah no i mean and remember too like your visuals not i don't ever want to fuck with anyone's visuals but you know the the physical sludge that he's sort of especially at the end of the book Mm -hmm. is 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 enraptured and it is it is like the blob right but when he's Mm -hmm. kind of half in and half out the whole notion behind it was a genie but instead of smoke it was muck right so it's like a man up top and then like from the legs mm-hmm. down, instead of being like smoke coming out of a lamp, it was like this blobulous, you know, just icker and this crap. Definitely. So, yeah. You know, I mean, he's he's sort of a normal kind of maybe schlubby dude. I mean, he's not he's not morbidly obese. He's right. like out out of his prime. You know what I mean? Like he's <laughs> yeah. 
he's not quite Marlon Brando at the end of his life, you know, but he's getting, he's getting close. Uh-huh. And so that was sort of the notion of him. But yeah, the, the speed of the sludge is what carries him along. And once he hits the water, yeah. he just, he can, he can, he can go. Absolutely. So it was more of a race. It was more of a race than we realized. Yeah. Right? Okay. Definitely. Yeah. That's a great, I mean, that's perfect. Uh, we I mean, were better. Yeah. Better than my thoughts. Yeah. What was your <laughs> thought? What was your thought? Hit me. Uh, I think we, our, my best one, I think that we came up with was, uh, kind of a Sonic the Hedgehog situation where he rolls up into a ball. <laughs> just start spinning. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so he's just spinning along the lot lands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he kind of does that too yeah. in the last fight. Like you see him. Like I mean, I try to describe. Like you do see him sort of do this barrel roll and this kind of like thing. So it's totally viable. Um, but mm-hmm. no, I mean, my notion was more that he that he got liquid or at least was in like a almost like a sperm you know it's like he's he's like in the head of the sludge and then there's like a tail built for speed and he's just cruising like the river i don't know absolutely it all comes back to something penile by the time it's all said and done with this this series anyway it's all yeah um okay so we've asked a lot of a lot of authors this question um but i think every author has an interesting answer Um, and so whenever you're creating a new world, you have to come up with names of things that are different from, you know, names that we have for stuff. Um, and so you not only are coming up with like interesting character names, but names for like objects that we have, we've already named. Um, so do you have a process that you go through when you, when you're coming up with a name for something like a crossbow, um, that, that you want to rename in your, in your world? Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, I mean, I can answer that one specifically. Um, you know, I, I use stock bow, but then there, you know, Ab- Joe Abercrombie used flat bow, right. When he did his, when he did the, mm-hmm. uh, what is it called? First blade or first law trilogy. He came up with yep, flat yep. bow. So it was like, mm-hmm. Oh, it's a bow, but then it turned on its side. But then I was like, yeah, okay, that's great. But I can't, you can't really, I mean, it's not that you can't use it, but why would you? And so, you know, you just start digging into like, I always go to history. It's just research. You just start digging in and, 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 and hit it. And so Stockbow, um, that to me was actually used. It's like I found it somewhere because, you know, they were calling it crossbow arbalist. Um, but then at some point I saw that it, in some language at some point they were referring to them as stockbows. But it's just because it's got a stock and there's a bow on the end of it. Mm-hmm. So I actually just thought, okay, that's pretty obscure, so I'll borrow it. But then with bastards, you got to take it a step further because there's always a slang, right? There's always a parlance. Like the hoof has a, a very – so – you know, then it just became a matter of like, oh, well, you know, you're we have, how many different slangs do we have for gun, right? So they got to have something, right? They right. have to have something that they're going to call that their main weapon, and so it just came down to the sound. Like I just, you know, what does it do when it when you yeah. let it go? It kind of it it kind of thrums, and so it just made sense to say thrum. I don't know, like it, for me, I just kind of start with the history and the culture that I'm that I'm trying to present, because in my head, right, like. The Bastards books are Spain in 1350. Like that's that's where I'm at, and mm-hmm. that's my baseline. Mm-hmm. So once I'm once I'm there, it's like I got a I got a culture, I got a year, and then I can just sort of like go from there. And and I, I don't have to invent a ton. I just sort of get to twist it and make it my own, which is really fun. Mm-hmm. And with this book especially, because there was a, a definitive slang that had to be involved, and and it's really a slang that is that is. Uh, limited to just the hoofs right like you don't really hear the human characters talking in the same way like every now and again but it's not it's not as like so i think for me that was really part of it was just finding a way to make all of this 
a gang culture. Because yeah. let's face yeah. it, gang culture always has a way of speaking. It's always a little bit different and cooler than we speak. And so the, it was how to find that balance between giving them a cool way to speak without jumping the shark and making it kind of lame and, you know, laughable, which hopefully I succeeded. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> it's, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I think coming up with names and all that is a lot of fun. Um, and I think that I always have this rule, like, don't do what a lot of fantasy authors had done in the past, which is you're basically just trying to put together cool syllables. You know, like, I, I, I love, um, I always talk about Grapthar in um, Galaxy Quest by Grapthar's Hammer by the Sons of Warvan. Like, it's a great little thing, but you are you just said Grapthar, right? I mean, like, yeah, it's kind of, so, you know, there's a lot of early David Eddings that kind of does that shit. And it's like, it's great for back then, but now I feel like there's a little bit more that's needed. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mm-hmm. feel like, I feel like the audiences were so inundated with fantasy that, it's not like it was in the seventies, right? You got it. You got to be a little bit smarter and a little bit cleaner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so uh, you know, I try as much as possible to to not just throw consonants around and just throw together like cool sounding shit. I try to make it make sense within the matrix of the world, within the culture. So there's a lot of Spanish, obviously, in mm-hmm. the book. You know, yeah. pseudo Spanish. Definitely. Well, that actually takes us into our first game, um, which hopefully we haven't jumped the shark. Um, anyway, so that brings us into our first game, um, where Luke and I have come up with some uh, slang terms for uh, modern, a little bit more modern objects um, that uh, we're going to present to you and see if you can translate our slang term. And we'll give you we'll give you a little bit of context. So hopefully we've done something similar um, as as you have probably not nearly as well. Um, but where you can't just put um. consonants together, you've got to make it. <laughs> right. You've got to make yeah. it somewhat reasonable uh, and somewhat related to the object that it's trying to describe. Ooh. All right, no pressure. I'm okay. ready. I so, hope. Uh, I'll start. And and with each of these, we'll give you a little bit of context. So, for example, um, Crafty needed to get word to the orcs that now was the time to strike. Uh, he set a ticker down on the table in front of him. And wrote an email letting them know. A so, ticker? A ticker, yes. So that's a keyboard? Oh. Right on the Perfect. money. <laughs> yeah. All right, one for one, one for ah. one. Uh, all right, here we go. Um, with Hearth gone, Jackal thought it was time for an upgrade. He jumped on one of the errant scoomies dotting the landscape and rode into the sunset. Errant scoomies. I love I, I love the word errant, scoomy. Um, you know, it's funny. It sounds like a jet ski, but I, I, but, but I I don't know that you guys were going with like a nautical theme. Um, so is it, it's a scooter? Is it like a lime scooter? Yeah. It's an electric scooter. Wow. There we go. All right. Two for two. Yeah. For a second, Scoomy was almost like water sports to me, but, Mm -hmm. but then, but yeah, Mm -hmm. but I got that you were sticking on the land. All right. Cool. Cool. Right on. Okay, um, okay. So this time the claymaster had gone too far. Mead hurried to the kiln to cast his axe. No way would he allow the hoof to adopt a unicorn as their official mascot. He quickly unlaced his malo steps and entered the meeting hall. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to get over the unicorn part. Um, <laughs> all, right. all right, you said it was he. 
Give me the give me the last sentence. He, he quickly the unlaced his malo steps and entered the meeting hall. This okay. one's this one's a little specific. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's some type of shoe. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's some kind of shoe. It's yeah. I might not be cool or young enough to like get the specific. It's like um, oh, shit. Um, show my show it's, my age here. It's very specific. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> Malos. So is it is it M A L L O W? Yeah, yeah. So like marshmallow. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay, so it's got to be something puffy, like a Vans. Like is it like or or not not Vans? What are the big ones? Um, fuck. Um, is it an UGG boot or something? Like that? <laughs> you know, you're close. You're close to the shoes. They're they're Yeezys. I don't know if you've ever heard of what a Yeezy uh, is. So I, I know, accidentally man. sent you a, a link earlier that I meant to send Luke <laughs> with a picture of it. Uh, if you yeah. want to check out what those look like. Uh, you told me to ignore it. I ignored it because I figured <laughs> that if you guys were like, oh, we're about to punk this song. Like, like oh, I can't wait to rag on this stupid author. Like, I just figured it was better if I left it alone. <laughs> So I didn't come into this thing like angry. No. <laughs> Luke thought it was the funniest thing of all time that I accidentally sent it to you before we even started talking with no context. So it's called a Yeezy? Yeah, it's called a Yeezy. They're shoes that it's... Kanye West makes. And okay. the yeah. the the sole of these shoes, I just I don't know why it bothers me so much, but the sole of these shoes like flares out from where your foot uh, would be. It. So it's just like a weird base that you're walking around on. They look very comfortable. Uh, uh Malo what did you call them? Malo what? Malo Slip? steps. Or slips is steps. probably better. I think Malo steps. Steps though, no. Nah, either way. Well, because you probably can't slip them on. You pr- do you have to tie them? You I think you do. have to tie them. Yeah. Yeah. So so nice. I'm I'm showing my age there. Yeah, I'm not hip at all. Like, if, I have yeah, no I, idea. to be honest, I didn't know what he was talking about until he sent me the the picture after he sent you. So <laughs> I am a better person for knowing, though. I think I I also now kind of have a clue as to how you pictured Mead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's some casting there's some casting for you oh yeah oh yeah yeah okay uh here's here's the next one um ug fucks farts were keeping me from sleeping so i put on my shreers and was snoring in no time shreers um it's got to be some type of headphones um that would be my guess Is is it earbuds yeah yeah, it was. It's specifically noise noise canceling headphones. Noise canceling so, headphones. Nice. Yeah, this is this is going better than I thought it was. Going to, be, to be honest <laughs> with you, I'm, I'm loving the fanfic, man. Like <laughs> some gr- some great fanfic going on right. Now. Okay. All right. I got another one. Uh, we can't let that Gracibo join the bastards, or next thing we know, he'll be using the kiln to make edibles. Gracibo. Oh, it's got to be a pothead, huh? <laughs> kind of. There's a little bit more. There's a little bit more nuance to it. Uh, so I tried to rhyme it with like a medical term. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a medical dispensary guy, like one of those hipster guys who has like a, a grow shop or something. <laughs> Basically, yeah. It's somebody but, who yeah. thinks that like CBD and like medical marijuana can solve like all of their problems. Everything. Yeah. Gracibo. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it. That's good. <laughs> okay. Okay. I've got I've got one that I, I noticed you you in the book I was intrigued by the the like phrases that people use. Like I think Jackal used some phrases that were really cool. So I, I tried to came, come up with one uh 
and I want to see if you can guess the specific meaning of it. Okay. Um, so here we go. Don't keep the fruit if you can't handle the seeds. Nice. Um, sounds to me like, uh, sounds to me like, you know, if don't have a woman, like a long-term woman around if you can't deal with either A, her bullshit, or B, the children she already has. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean that. So that would fit it. Mine, mine is very specific. It's actually uh, spay and neuter your pets. Oh, right on. I like it. I like it. Um. So yeah, we we were thinking about these like names in the context of like modern things, like things that don't mm-hmm. have very good quick names. Um. Are there yep. any like? examples that you have thought of with like modern conveniences where you've come up with like a better slang term for it um we don't expect yeah, I you mean, to but i'm just curious if you've ever thought probably about this before. Pro- yeah. you know it's, it's like i would be the worst jeopardy contestant because i know all this shit until you until you ask me oh yeah um <laughs> yeah no i don't know um not that i can think of but if my old man brain like Right at the end, I'll suddenly be like, oh, I got one. (laughs) If it bubbles up, just go ahead and yell at us. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll just screw it. I'll just scream it. Yeah. Perfect. Cool. All right. Uh, Let's, let's, let's come back into some, some normal questions here. Uh, Okay. I've got, I, I'm, I'm curious about how you write characters because the the book seems to me to be much more character driven um, than anything else. So, uh, First off, do you how strong of an idea of a character do you have at the beginning? Like do you have them in your mind as a specific person or or are you kind of letting it develop as it goes? Oh, great question. It's tough to answer. So, you're right. I write very character-driven stuff. It's kind of the only way right now I know how to do it. And I think that comes from being a lifetime role player. So, it all starts with character. Like it that's just that's just where it starts for me. Um, and then I do kind of let them play, right? So it does – I am a pantser or discovery writer. I don't plot very much. I basically get a framework and have an idea that I think is cool. And like I said, I kind of pinpoint a culture and a time. And then and then I just sort of let them go and see what happens. So as long as the characters are strong and I know a lot about them, then that usually works out well because they tend to then just take off and – and I can hear them and I can see them. Sometimes, to, to the second part of your question, I have a specific physicality or a person in mind, but not always. Usually they're a composite. And I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but I don't do a ton of character tags or character descriptions. Like, I do some, but I don't. I think a lot of authors get real specific about how somebody should look. I don't tend to do that because, A, I think it... I, I like to give the reader a chance to sort of do it themselves. Um, so I try to give you just enough. But sometimes I have that thing in the back of my head where I kind of know. So to give you an example, uh, Warbler was Chris Christopherson from the Blade movies. He was he was Whistler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was yeah, whistler. yeah, yeah. Like he was, he was just Chris Christopherson <laughs> from the Blade movies. Like it was just in my head. <laughs> it was, and it was like, that's who he is. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I didn't... I, I try. I mean, I went there some. I talked about how he has this resonant voice, and if you also notice, a lot of the hogs that we talk about in connection with him are named after Christopherson songs or albums. So there were like <laughs> there were like little winks, you know. It's like, but you know, again, nothing. I try not to do it like too over the head. Um, so yeah, I mean, 
I do just let them kind of go. I build them a playground and then I have my children and I tell my children go play and I see what Mm -hmm. happens. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So from the beginning, I have a pretty solid idea, usually of kind of what they've been through, um, their past. Uh, You know, again, it's it's all role playing. I don't know if you guys are gamers, but it's all like, what's my character backstory? And I kind of do that for everyone. And some of it never comes out. Like a lot of it I just know and it informs dialogue and it informs decisions. But I don't ever actually make it a plot point because it it never it's never relevant, and and so you know if you guys just read this first one like, you know there's the book starts and Oates is out at the well right, and Jackal comes out when Oates yells for him because Oates sees the Cavaleros coming. Well later on, Jackal kind of calls him out on. It. He's like, "What were you doing out there?" And Oates says, "Well, I just got hot and went for a dunk. Like I went to pour a bucket of water over my head." And he's like, without a weapon, what's your deal? Well, I know why, but it never comes out in the book. Right, right, right. So I know why Oates was out there being very not cautious. Mm -hmm. I know what he was doing, but we don't. And you get more clues of it in book two, but you still don't learn the answer. And so it's very fun and it's helpful. And I think hopefully... What it does is it gives the reader this strange, like they feel connected to these characters and sometimes they don't even know why. Mm -hmm. That's the goal. Mm -hmm. Uh, But more than that, it makes the characters feel connected to each other. So hopefully it builds that sense of like camaraderie and brotherhood and family that's really important to an ensemble book like this. But that's what, you know, it's like write what you want to read. That's what I, that's what I get off on. Like you give me a solid, strong ensemble and I am there every time. Like I don't usually care so much about the lone badass. Like that's cool in spit in like little doses. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, like I, I don't, I want to see like, I want to see like a, a good solid core group of people and, and have a lot of interconnectivity and interplay. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, th- I think I hit, I think I hit that. Yeah, one definitely. Yeah. yeah, for sure. That that's, uh, okay. That, that's, that dovetails perfectly with, with something that I want to, that I want to do. Uh, I, you can probably tell we get really into specifics. Um, and, uh, I, I have a few, when I, when I think of characters, they always match certain feelings that I have that are really specific that I, that is probably not what the author was writing. So I have, we, we have a game that we're going to, we're going to run through, uh, that, oh yeah. It's gonna, I'm, I'm, we're calling it character transplants. And that's <laughs> you, I'm going to give some, some really specific action that I think a really specific type of person in our world would do. And I want us to talk about, or you to, you to think of which character would do that in your, in your book. Okay. I will do my best. Okay. So, and now we, we've got a few answers if we, uh, for them too. So, okay. First one. What character do you think would insist that they can handle scary movies, but obviously can't? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I <laughs> ins- insist that they can handle scary movies, but can't. Um, Oats. <laughs> Oats. <laughs> yeah, I think that was that was mine. That's, that, that's the one yeah, that I was thinking. Yeah. About. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh. Um. What character do you think would uh, would bring vegan cheese dip to a party, but not tell anybody that it's vegan? Just like put it out <laughs> on the table. Vegan cheese dip to a party, but not tell anyone. Um, probably mead. 
<laughs> That's it. Okay. Yeah. We're on the same page here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's see. Uh, what character would you say would take recreational sports way too seriously? <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, uh, hobnail. <laughs> <laughs> Hobnail, like that that dude would no he would totally just yeah (laughs) i mean i'm trying i'm I'm going outside like the core like i'm kind of going more. i mean yeah 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 you know but um and it's funny because i'm like i happen to think and i don't know how in-depth you guys get because i know you guys are discussing like the book as you read it i don't know how but it's Mm -hmm. like i'm trying to think i'm more in book two's headspace so i'm trying to think it's like you know who's you know, I'm trying to remember who's in book one because it's more limited because there's a lot more that I don't want to say somebody that's not in book one. Um, right, right. Yeah, yeah, hobnail. Okay. My answer. Um, okay, so I know that you're not in the north right now, um, but I live in Minnesota. Uh, okay. And so there are people here who, uh, when it'll be like 10 degrees outside, will walk around with shorts and a t-shirt and kind of like mm-hmm. laugh at everyone who is right. wearing big coats and be like, oh, it's not that bad. It's not that cold when they're really just showing off. Um, which of the bastards or any of the other characters in the book do you think would be likely to do this? Grosser. <laughs> yeah, definitely grosser. <laughs> grosser. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of all he's got. You know, he's like, I'm old and I'm tough. And yeah, I mean, and probably just for him, he didn't want to like waste <laughs> <laughs> the effort or the cl- or the supplies to like make warm clothes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's, it's a grosser move. Man. Yeah, like, absolutely grosser sure, move. Yeah, sure. yeah. Okay, okay. Here's here's a good one. Um, which character do you think would give a long, serious answer when someone asks how are you instead of just saying good? <laughs> Jackal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I love him, but I mean, dude is pretty self-involved. I mean, he is, he is, he is kind of up his own ass. So I think, you know, his emotions to him are kind of the center of the universe, at least through a large portion of the book. Uh-huh. So yeah, now I can see him being okay. a little bit too much, but I would love to hear if you guys said something differently. Yeah, I actually, I was thinking crafty, uh, cause yeah. of. I, I I picture him not being able to pick up on the social cue as well. That's true. Yeah, and and yeah. The, my, the one of the one of my friends who he's based on, who is like a brother to me. I love him to death, but he does give long winded answers. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's fair. That's movie. fair. <laughs> um, speaking about Jackal, uh, mm. I have a question about uh, one of the interactions that Jackal has with uh, Bermudo in the book. So. Okay. Jackal and Warbler come up with this plan to um, get in to see the wizard in the right. uh, castle. Mm-hmm. And yes. um, Bermudo starts talking about how he's sending a letter to Garcia's mother that he's captured mm-hmm. him and he's going to execute him. I'm, right. I'm kind of just curious if this if this comes out later, you don't have to answer it. But I'm curious, yeah. like how the conversation between Bermudo and Garcia's mother went after jackal escapes like what <laughs> happens there where he's like actually yeah. i don't have him anymore sorry about that right yeah no it's a great question um i mean it, it kind of comes back but this isn't a spoiler because okay. um 
because it's it's very behind the scenes, and of course you don't really ever see it. I think there's there's a lot of politics involved, and there's also a lot of society involved. So mm. what you've got there is Bermudo is exiled nobility, yes, right. Yeah. So again, I know why he's been exiled. No, it never comes out. I right. just use it to inform the character. I don't ever go there because it's not all that important. And yeah. honestly, it's the Elmore Leonard thing, right? Yeah. You know, write the parts. Don't, don't write the parts that people tend to skip over. Right? <laughs> it's like, don't put that in the book. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, I think Bermudo, he, he's good at that kind of thing. I think he knows how to write those letters. Honestly, I, I'm, I know he passed the buck. Because the thing about Blue Bloods, <laughs> the thing about nobility yeah, yeah, is that yeah. We're their betters. We are their betters no matter what. So all he had to do was blame somebody else, right? And then promise that he is still her man, that he is still going to be the one that's going to make it right Uh because we get it, right? Like, you know, you and me, us, you know, there's a status thing that's going on there. And and that's that's a social, cultural thing. Like, he, while she's probably reading his letter thinking, well, this guy is a fallen noble, He's still a noble. So it's like, I'd rather deal with him than anybody else. Mm-hmm. So while he's trying to kiss up a little bit, she's she's only only one person in that situation can she even talk to or trust. That's right. it. Right. She's not going to... The Marquesa is not going to, like, kowtow. She's not going to demean herself by speaking to Ignacio or somebody else, right? So this mm-hmm. is sort of all she's got. Bermudo is her bridge to this world. So odds are... He passed it off, probably on Ignacio. Totally his fucking fault, wasn't he? <laughs> because only a peasant, only a peasant would let the, something like that escape. Yeah. But I'm still your boy. Uh-huh. I got you. Yeah, I'm gonna make this right. So I think that yeah. I think that that's that's sort of how that went down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But don't get me wrong. Like I don't think I don't think the Marquesa is gonna give him all he thinks. Right? I mean, he's yeah. still he's still. He's still kidding himself too. Yeah. Right. Well, classic mm-hmm. blue bud move, right? Always thinking that you're going to be on top at the end, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> you you mentioned like a societal aspect to, uh, the Lotlands and Hispartha, mm. um, and I'm curious about. I have like a more general question about fantasy that you included this this sort of trope in your book. I don't think it's. I mean, trope is often used as a negative thing, but I don't think it's necessarily negative to include tropes. Um, but this idea that a lot of fantasy books have this ancient civilization that it has existed before the current mm-hmm. timeline. And this ancient civilization made these wondrous things and these like outstanding architectural feats and technological feats. And it's this like lost yeah. glory. Um, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious to to hear your perspective on on like why that's included in so much of fantasy, like why that's such a core element in a lot of fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll, I'll follow up with a question afterwards. Okay. All right. So let me answer what I think that mm-hmm. is. I think that is the exception becoming the rule. I think that, I think that a lot of people are still chasing Tolkien. Um, I love, I love Tolkien. I will fight somebody. Who, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't say that people who dislike him are like beneath me or wrong. But I am a fan. I am a huge fan. Yeah. Um, um, but I think we tend to like just laud him as like the grandfather of fantasy without realizing how exceptional he was. I think we tend to think that that's the way to do it without recognizing that really there was a genius at work 
And chasing a genius is pretty tough. Now, are there people that have done it? Yeah. There are people who have totally followed fine in his footsteps. And there are people who have done things even in some ways better. Um, but I think just like maps, like maps in fantasy books, like this guy had a great map, mm-hmm. but he was exceptional at it. Because you see a lot of maps in fantasy books where there's like two villages, a river, a mountain range, a castle, a forest, and that's it, right? It's not an entire continent. It's not an entire... So you're insulting the reader. It's like, oh, we can't remember these six things. You're making yourself look like a chump. Yeah. Because suddenly your your book world looks tiny and it, you know, it looks like something your kid did. Mm-hmm. Um, right? So I think that there is this notion that we all have to do that because that's what the greats did and that's where it stems from, okay? So... I think some people are capable of that, but even if you're capable of it, does the book you're writing necessitate it? There's a tonality there. And some books, and I'll just throw, I mean, like the Bastards books, I don't think they, I don't think that makes sense for the tone. I don't think that the world and what I'm trying to do there, that doesn't really fit. It's just, it, it, you know, you're dealing, I already said, you're dealing with a lot of ignorance. You're dealing with people without a lot of written history. You're dealing with people really without a lot of oral history or history of any type. I mean, the book starts, and Jackal's culture is about 30 years old. Mm-hmm. Like, he's 27, and it started, like, a couple years before. Like, the Claymaster did this whole thing 30 years ago. So what does it matter? Like, he is, like a lot of kids now, he is, all he really knows is his present. The past doesn't matter. And it also goes into what I call Star Trek syndrome. In Star Trek, which I love too, they explain just about everything. Everything has an answer because it's based in science and they have a ton of technology and they can, and literally like, I'm not one of these people, but someone who's really into Star Trek can tell you, this is how the warp engine works. This is how the transporter works. This is how the communicator works. This is, and it's all like really plausible in the terms of like fiction, right? Mm -hmm. Cool. But I don't think that, I I mean, I'm going to tell them myself here. I, I love my truck. Love it. I couldn't tell you how it works. Not everything. (laughs) Like I take it to a mechanic. So we've kind of reached that point where there's a lot of our stuff that just works and we don't know how, and that's where we've gotten to. And I think that fantasy falls into this pitfall where a lot of authors, especially with like, like you say, history. And then the, my other favorite magic systems. Oh, Mm. we got to explain the magic system. (laughs) If you, if that's your wheelhouse and you do it really well, and you can, like, that is the core of your story, then go nuts. Mm-hmm. But don't feel like that you have to do that for a re-fantasy book. You don't. Not everything needs to be explained. And it, let's face it, if your characters can't explain it, if they're ignorant of it, then it shouldn't be. Because then you're throwing in some type of just exposition and it's just a sidebar. And it, it, it's like, wait a minute, why are we going here? Why are we doing this? So... That's that's my answer. I think that a lot of people feel like now I have written another series, uh, but I haven't finished it. I have another book series, I, you know, that is very different from this. And you know, my agent just read the, the 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 books the other week, and she hadn't read them. I've been working with her for two years, and she read them, and she was like, "It was really eye opening because this is very different from the bastards." And that, in that series, the legendarium and the history and the myths is very important. So I go there, mm-hmm. I do it. So mm-hmm. I have done it. I'm not saying I'm better or different. What I'm saying is, is that you got to look at the story you're trying to tell and a bastard story doesn't need that. So I think sometimes it gets tacked on 
because a lot of writers are pa- almost panicking in their head because they feel like if they don't have it, then they don't have a fantasy book. It's like, oh, I'm not a legit fantasy writer if I don't have mm. 10,000 years of history written out and figured out. Well, go to, go down the street. Go find somebody who's walking their dog and be like, hey, dude, come over here. Can you hit, <laughs> hit, hit me up with 10,000 years of human history on planet Earth? Hit me up with 10,000 years of history on planet Earth. Dude, I mean... No, like, no, like they're going to, they're going to fail. They're going to fail. Like most of them, most of them won't get past the, most of them won't get to prohibition, right? Most of them won't get out of, most of them be like, well, last week on the Cardassians, right? So it's like, okay. (laughs) You know, like, so, so anyway, clearly you got me going. I don't know, but, um, that's, I'm not trying to dog at anybody. I think, I think anything, I think anything you do well, do that thing. But don't feel like because someone else did it exceptionally well that you got to do that thing. Right, right. Because let me tell you something, like Tolkien, if you really dig into him, just the linguist, the linguist issue alone, you can't touch. That's just the start. You go anywhere else and it's like, okay, is he the greatest fantasy author ever? Depends on what you're talking about. For, for like romantic epic, maybe there's an argument there, but for character development, like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, you know, it's kind of like he doesn't really. So it just depends on, on what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Long ass answer. No, for it. sure. For sure. Um, I So we, we spend almost all of our time in this book with the half orcs. Uh, and and we talked about a little bit about how we you don't hear much about uh, the, the others. So there's some ignorance there. I'm so we don't quite get to see the mentality of the humans and the and and the other orcs. Uh, do you? I'm curious if you view them as legitimately, fundamentally different. Like obviously they have cultural differences. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I'm when I was reading half orcs, I was I didn't necessarily see a difference between their mindset versus what I would say a human mindset would be. It, right. Do you view that the same way? Where they're they're fundamentally pretty similar but just culturally different or do you think do you have them as like actually just completely different groups yeah that's a great question um so here's so this was actually something that uh, a fellow writer scott odin kind of touched on um both on a twitter feed that we did that he was at we did and then a reddit ama and scott ha- um scott and i have a lot of similarities we're both really big into conan um, and Scott also has a series. Um, I think the first book is a gathering of Ravens, but I'm, I'm two beers in, so I might have that wrong. Um, <laughs> but he has a half orc protagonist, but his half orc protagonist is, is much more like a God. Hmm. It's, it's very much like a Norse thing going on. Um, hmm. and one of the things he touched on was similar to what you're talking about. Um, which is this sense of otherness, right? Like, are they, are they just half orcs in name? Are they just humans reskinned and you give them like some physical differences and you give them some like, eh. and my answer is for my series. Yes, they are because it's the half that matters. Mm-hmm. They are half orcs. And the fact is, is that their culture is not orc culture at all. We've never been there. Well, right. we've never. We're never, we as readers have never been mm-hmm. there because right now Jackal's never been there. Right. He, we have one moment in book one and he looks at Warbler and he says, hold, fuck, you've been, you've been to Dargess. And he's like, yeah, I've been. And he's like, why? And he says, cause some things just have to be faced and he kind of ignores it. He sort of like 
changes the subject. Mm-hmm. But we haven't seen Darguest, and we really haven't seen orcs. Like, we've seen them a little, and we've fought them, but we don't really know what their culture is. So the whole sense of otherness rests not in the lots. The whole sense of otherness rests in Darguest. Half-orc culture and the, the hooves and Jackal and company and the bastards and the sons and the Cauldron Brotherhood and all those, their culture is very new, but even if you go back a little further, it's slavery under human rule. So they are very much human in what mm-hmm. they are trying to do. Now, are they are they second-class citizens? Yes. Are they rebellious? Yes. Are they, you know, kind of rough and tumble based on their environment and the fact that they're hated and maligned and they don't have a lot of um, privilege? Yes. But, so, the physicality and the bloodline... Um, you know, what I went for, and this is one of these things where it's tricky to talk about because a lot of people take issue with this and they can, and people get offended at things, but, but if you want to cut this out, you can, (laughs) but all right. So they can't see me, but you can look at the, you can look at the author photo. I'm a white dude. Okay. But I was writing about half blood characters. So, you know, it's that whole idea. It's like, you look at president Obama, Okay, he is, his mom and mine could literally be sisters. Like, if you put up a picture of Obama's mom and mine next to each other back when they were that same age, they could, they're white women with brown hair, they look very, very close. You stick President Obama and I next to each other, and you don't see that those guys could be brothers, mm-hmm. right? You just don't see it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he was half white, half black. But what was, what was his life experience? His life experience, why is he considered the first black president of the United States? Because that is how... The United States is. If you look black, you're black because that's how we treat you. That's how the culture comes at you. That's how everybody. So that's what I was trying to do. It doesn't matter. And you also see this in Western movies. You see this a lot in like rawhide episodes and, 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 you know, gun smoke and all this like, oh, where you're half Indian, which is what they used to say back then. I'm not being culturally insensitive. That's the way those shows they say, oh, you're Mm -hmm. half an Indian. Mm -hmm. That's what you were. Okay. It didn't matter that you were also half white. So that's what bastards is. It is, they are half human, most of them, depending on what the mix is. Right. But let's just take Jackal. Yeah. Like Jackal right. is half human and half orc. But to Hispartha and human culture, he is disgusting. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that's just, that's terrible. And he is less than, and he is stupider, and he is, you know, lascivious, and he is lustful, and, you know, he can't be trusted. It's fucked up, right? So. It's very important that they are very connected to human culture because if they aren't, then there's nothing to hate them. Like, believe me, I have got a challenge. Like, if you, you want to talk about, um, like, Tolkien and Exceptional, when, if, I don't know if you guys have read Tad Williams' Memory, Sorrow, and Thorn, but when Tad Williams did Memory, Sorrow, and Thorn, he, his elven culture, called the Sithi, he captured otherness like nobody else. Like, when, our, when the human POV character finally gets into the Sithi world, it is like, what? I don't, I mean, it's over, it's over the character's head. It's over the reader's head. You're just going like, in my opinion, Tad Williams nailed that idea of just like, this is alien. Mm-hmm. CJ Sherry does it in the Faded Sun trilogy like a boss. Like she just kicks the shit out of it. And, and you have no clue what's going on. I didn't attempt it mm-hmm. because it wasn't the story I was telling. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know that I could do it. I'm not saying I could. But I, it wasn't ever on the it wasn't ever on the docket. Mm-hmm. I was trying to tell people who are who are second class citizens that are maligned. They are 
intimately connected with the culture that hates them and have no interaction short of violence and opposition with the other half of their bloodline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Will that change as the series goes on? Yes. You know, will we get more clues about not only Hispartha, but Dargest? Yes. Will we eventually go to both those places? Yes. It's all coming. Will I succeed in representing otherness at that point? Who fucking knows? I don't know. <laughs> I don't have any idea. But, you know, I mean, it it's a great question. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but I haven't shot that bullet yet. I haven't. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still setting that stage. And, you know, I guess only time time and, and sales will tell whether that <laughs> right. worked or not. Definitely. Yeah. Um, okay. That was that was a great discussion, great serious discussion about oppression. <laughs> uh, we're gonna take it to some stupid stuff again, just to kind yeah. of yeah bring he, us he, back. dial it back, French, yeah. dial it back. <laughs> Damn, um, as my wife says, getting a little intense, getting a little. Intense. No, I loved it. It was great. Um, but but we're gonna stupid it up just a little bit. Um, so we're gonna do. I, I'm sure you've played. Well, maybe you've played the like Would You Rather game. Where you get two options and you have to pick between the two. Oh, okay. yeah. um, so we're gonna play Would You Rather that's themed around uh, the Lotlands and the Gray Bastards specifically. Nice. Um, okay. So the first question, and and some of it isn't gonna be exactly accurate. To I'm sure you'll correct us on a few of these things, but um, the first not. question <laughs> is: um, So would you rather be uh, a halfling who has been praying? every night that he would get that arm bone uh from the uh oh the person who was with the slave god uh the arm bone uh or um would you rather be uh a slop head who idolizes jackal for years only for jackal to not even know your name when you save his life uh yeah i think i would rather be the halfling who wants the arm of Atukan and doesn't get it. Yeah. Um, because I would suck as a slop head. I, that would be a terrible, I didn't, I mean, I didn't enter well, the military. Well, you got the axe for, throwing down, right? I got, yeah. that's, a, that's all I've got. Like, <laughs> that's my, well, okay, I can ride. I'm, I'm a good equestrian. Uh-huh. Like, I can ride. Yeah. But the whole thing of being a slop head and like, you know, being in a military, like having to be trained and having people treat you like shit and like, yeah, I, I would have sucked at that. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why I didn't do do that. I respect everyone who does it, but shit, I'm not cut out for it. <laughs> I'm very much cut out for being the little guy underground who is, I mean, because <laughs> it's not really far from me. Like, I, you know, I don't see, I don't see the sun very often. I tend to, tend to stick like close to home in like a little comfortable kind of cave, but it's sort of morbid and dark. And I think about death a lot and and um, I'm yearning for power that I'm never going to get and like magic items that I'm never going to get. No, I mean, no. I So I, like a goth I know hobbit. Th- well, that's what they are, right? Yeah. I mean, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're, I mean, they're, they're Egyptian hobbits. They're death cult hobbits. And um, that I've always wanted to be a hobbit. They have the best fucking life ever. I mean, it sounds great. I, yeah. So now you just marry that with sort of Halloween and like, you know, <laughs> fuck yeah, I'm there. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, okay, next one. Would you rather live in the swamp of the maiden with no bug spray, 
<laughs> or or the plains of the lotlands with no sunblock. The uh, the maiden with no bug spray. Um, <laughs> I, I, dude, I have a vampire's tan, man. Like gr- <laughs> graveyard graveyard tan. I suck in the sun, and uh, and I know tricks from my years of wilderness experience to where bugs without sunscreen will not fuck with you. Um, drinking vinegar is helpful. So you know if you if you can drink some vinegar, then you're you're gonna change your blood chemistry and they won't mess with you. Um, Whoa, is this real? Are we getting a real life tip from... <laughs> yeah. Are we actually helping <laughs> our listeners down. somehow? Okay. Yeah, no, this that's, is incredible. That's legit. That's legit. Um, so, I mean, not every bug. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but... But, no, like... I think... I think... I will tell you, mosquitoes specifically uh-huh. will not mess mess with you as much. Now, some people have this naturally in their body chemistry. If you ever notice, like, there are some people you can be hanging out with and just the bugs aren't touching them and you go, oh, what's your... What sunscreen or what bug spray are you using? I need to go get that. And they're like, I'm not using any. Yeah. It just depends on your blood type uh-huh. and your body chemistry and your sweat and all that. Some people, your diet, some people just naturally, they won't, they won't fuck with you, but you can affect that too. Uh-huh. Um, and one of the ways is, is, is vinegar, but no, so no, the, the maiden, the swamp okay. with no bug spray. I do not want another sunburn ever again <laughs> in my life. If I can, if I can deal with it. No. Okay. Um, okay. Um, so would you rather, and again, we're coming at this from the perspective of the gray bastards, the first book. Um, okay. So would you rather run into a group of orcs as a half orc, uh, only to find mm. out that they're actually really cool guys that make a mean chili or <laughs> discover that all of the clay masters plans were actually preparation for a surprise birthday party for you, Jackal? <laughs> oh man. Um, um, now I just want chili. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, um, I think, I think I would go, yeah, I think I would go with the, I think I would go with the half orcs and chili. I would, yeah. I would much rather find out that my enemies are actually cool dudes. Yeah. Yeah. Than anyone throw me a fucking birthday party. Like <laughs> I, I never need my birthday celebrated and I would rather that we just have chili and some peace. And, yeah. You know, yeah, sure. I, no. No, I, I, I also I, I picture the orcs as having a really good chili recipe. I do too. I don't I don't know if you would agree with that, but I, that's that's kind of my picture. I mean, you know, they live in a continent that is both desert and jungle for the most part. So I mean, they have access except for the top half, the desert part. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I mean, I, you know, some Bedouin cuisine is pretty good. So I I think half orc chili would be a lot like Civil War chili in that American Civil War chili. Where it's just like, it, you know, that horse is kind of old. So let's just throw him in there. <laughs> you know, you got an old bottle of beer. Let's throw that in there. Uh-huh. Hey, do you have a couple shots of whiskey? I think orc chili is just sort of whatever they can get at the time. Yeah. Which, quite okay. frankly, sounds amazing. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. So, I mean, it, they see, a, you know, it's like that halfling over there. He's not really doing anything else. <laughs> let's just, let's toss him in there. See what happens. <laughs> Put him to use. <laughs> okay. All right, all right. Next one. Uh, mm. Would you rather be the only ugly elf <laughs> or the only centaur that doesn't go crazy during the Betrayer Moon? Oh shit, that's a hard one. Because I mean, if you're not a hot elf, what is the point? Right. Yeah. And if you're not a crazy centaur, then you feel. I mean, <laughs> your your life is bleak. Because you are watching everyone in your society lose their shit. Yeah, you're just talking sense into everybody, but oh, and not and never being able to succeed, like ever. <laughs> and you're not getting to party. 
Because, I mean, the only thing good about, like, going blood crazy on the Betrayer Moon is it's like, you know, yeah, it's a night of bad decisions, but at least everyone's kind of doing it together. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, you're all murderers, but you're all murderers together. Together. Um, yeah. Ah, God. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Ugly Elf only because I have intense confidence in my ability to get a pity fuck. That is, I think I could get pity sex. <laughs> Being an ugly elf, I, I I think I could work that angle because everyone else is hot. So I mean, if you're getting laid, right, at right, all, you're the unique one, and and you're never the settler. You're always reaching above yourself. So my thing is, everybody, guy or girl, is going to be hotter than you. So if you're getting laid at all, then so I I think I could work a pity fuck angle like a boss. <laughs> So I'm gonna go with that. <laughs> all right, That's a great right. way to put a positive spin on it. I hadn't even thought about that. That's looking on the bright side. <laughs> that's just yeah, that's just my life. <laughs> that's just me pulling from what, right right what you know. <laughs> um, okay, okay. Um, as a member of one of the hoofs, would you rather have the biggest, strongest hog, but you need a little step stool in order to mount them? Or have the like littlest, cutest hog, uh, but they clearly prefer another rider to you. <laughs> okay, so I've had that exact situation when I was learning to ride horses. I would rather ha- I would rather have the step stool because <laughs> a you're saving that animal's back. Mm. Like that whole that whole thing with the cow you know, like the cowboy movies where everyone's a badass and like flips up on. That's not cool. Like horses hate that shit. And and any people will tell you like if you watch professionals, professionals will get on a fucking step stool yeah. because they respect their their animal. So no, I would take the big one who's awesome and loves me and loves the fact that I get on a step stool. I've had the little horse who hates my guts and it sucks. <laughs> fucking cloudy. I will never forget that damn horse. Call out. This is a call out. Cloudy, get fucked. I, I every time I open a bottle of super glue and I start building Warhammer models, I hope to God that Cloudy is in there. Cause fuck that horse. <laughs> oh shit. Alright, I love it. Uh, I love it. This is either gonna like win me tons of fans or everyone is gonna like cancel culture my ass so fast. I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. I'm a little no, worried. We're good. No, don't worry. Nobody <laughs> listens to our show anyway. You're fine. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> okay. Okay. Last one. Uh, would you rather be stuck inside the kiln during a betrayer and your phone is only at 2% and you don't have a charger or be the one who has to prepare and de- prepare and deliver the, uh, the, ri- the rat wizards like little microwave salmon meal? Oh God. Ugh. I just like tasted and smelled that. Um, <laughs> no, the the phone one um, because I fucking hate smartphones and I hate my phone, and so it'd be very easy for me to just deal with that entirely. I mean, being in the being in the betrayer would suck, but no, going near Abzul at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> that guy that guy was based on someone I hated in real life. So, like, <laughs> nice. Like, I mean, no, I'm not going anywhere near that guy. <laughs> All right. Love fair it. enough. Love it. Um, okay. So one of the like common segments we have on our show are coming up with, uh, I, I would call them fantastic theories. Luke doesn't mm-hmm. always agree. Um, 
but most of the time they're about pretty specific details. Um, have you? And I'm not asking you to talk about any of all the theories we've come up with, but I'm I'm curious if you've ever had any theories um, that fans have sent you or that you've heard about that are either like really good and interesting uh, or theories that are just like so bad that they stand out as like funny, um, just like how far off they were or anything in the middle. <laughs> um, I mean, it it's amazing to me how many people are convinced that like jackals a half elf um (laughs) (laughs) okay but before we go on with that that is a theory that we came up with uh but it was (laughs) i think we were joking for the most part our literal only evidence for that theory was that he's hot and uh elves are hot (laughs) right Right. no i mean look so that that one comes up i mean for the most part i'm always really leery because I've gotten emails and I, I, I make my wife read everything first because mm. I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a manic dude and, um, I don't need someone to kill my writing day by telling me how much I suck or like, and, and even, yeah. even emails that seem positive, like, you know, it's just like never read a review if you know the reviewer is a, is a, is a writer because mm. writers, unless they you know, they're your friend and they're like like plugging you on Goodreads or some shit mm-hmm. because intrinsically there's always this like hidden jealousy and they're always trying to gig you on something. And there's always this little like backhanded bullshit mm-hmm. in there. So anytime I see a review on Twitter, that's like, and the person is a writer, I just fucking ignore it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I, yeah, so I, I don't, so one, one person sent me this whole thing. I mean, like, <laughs> and they were a fan and I'm not yeah, trying yeah. to be snarky on, the economics of the lots and like the logistics of supply and demand and like all, and I just couldn't, I just couldn't to the point to where I couldn't even respond. Yeah. I didn't know. And I wanted to kind of be a dick and be like, follow Elmore Leonard's rule. No one wants to read about that. So leave it out. Yeah. But I could tell that it was probably somebody like me who's gotten super into fantasy worlds. And like, you're, you're, you're thinking about running it for a game or some shit. And so you're like, you're like, I need to know everything. But what, what kind of turned me off to it was, because I asked my wife, I was like, read this. And then she was like, you're fine. It was the only time she steered me wrong. She's like, I think you're fine. This is clearly a fan. Go ahead and read it. And, I, and then later I was like, really? Why did you let me read this? Because at the end, he was like, you know, he's very, very respectful, very mm-hmm. nice. I think it was a he. I don't know. And if and if they're listening to this, dude, no hard feelings. Like, really? Like, I, I sincerely. But there was this thing, it's like, well, if any of this works for you and you incorporate it in any of the books, just feel free to, like, mention me in the acknowledgments and it's square. <laughs> oh, and I'm man. like, man, listen. <laughs> what? First of all, I'm, can't, I'm not going to touch any of this now because now <laughs> it's all dangerous. Like, yeah. there's a reason why. There's a reason why Marion Zimmer Bradley encouraged fan fiction until she couldn't anymore because a fan came after her saying, like, you wrote my, you know, you uh, stole my fan fiction, mm-hmm. right? And now she has to be like, I do not endorse or support fan fiction. Yeah. So, like, fan, fan, fan engagement is fun. I love the fact that Ugfuck is everyone's favorite character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that. Like, I, I, I love that. I, but my thing is, is that, and I try to be accessible because I'm not some huge famous dude. Like, I... I want to be accessible. 
but there does reach a point where it's like this is something you need to be talking about with fellow fans mm-hmm. on a forum because this is not because like there was one point where there was like a goodreads like book club discussion of the book and all all the headline was the headline was something like the great bastards contains both the best and the worst half orc sex in literature and I was like, I can't go there. No. I don't know what that. I don't know <laughs> what? what that is, but I'm not. I, I can't touch it because it's gonna get in my yeah, head. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna like second guess it. So, yeah. I, I I know I'm not answering the question, but I will say this: Jackal is not a fucking half. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just let's just throw that out. Yeah. I will answer that right now. Um. So all the people who think he is great, but he isn't. Um. And. You know, and Ugfuck is awesome. So I, you know, I don't know what else to tell you. I love it. Um, <laughs> excuse me. No, you're good. You're good. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's. I mean, that's one of the favorite things that I, I think I have coming up with theories, and I think something that you know, I, I'm kind of breaking this rule right now when I when I asked you about it. But I think when we come up with theories about books, they're often fun because. You know, it's only in the book. You're not asking the author typically, oh, is this theory right or wrong? Because it's like it should be based entirely in the book. Like the book is a contained thing. You shouldn't be going outside the book to try and support or disprove some theory or come up with an extra like flavor for it. It's all already in the book. And so you can talk about it with other readers like the author has already given you their take on it. Um, yeah, well, it, yeah, exactly. And it's sort of like the, the things you see, like uh, Chuck Wendig recently dealt with this on Twitter, like a fan being like, I'll be sure to let you know what I think. It's like, you don't really have to. <laughs> like, because they see it, they, there's like this certain group of fans that see it as like, I bought the book, therefore, I, and it's like, look, this isn't a loofah. <laughs> like, it's, you didn't buy a fucking loofah on Amazon and you're like, I'm going to review it. I'll be sure to tell you what you think because I spent $13 on it. Yes, you spent $13 on it. We super appreciate it. <laughs> right. But the thing is, is that what you think it like, we want you to like it. If you don't, it sucks. But you giving us anything beyond that doesn't help because we're already way ahead of where you like you giving me what you think on your theories on book one, dude, I'm 50,000 words <laughs> into book three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it's already like we're beyond like it, it doesn't. And, and, uh, and that's why like it's snobby and I've been there cause I'm a fan mm-hmm. of other shit. Mm-hmm. Right. I would love for certain properties to do what I wanted them to do. Right. There ain't, they ain't gonna. Right. Unless I get to a point where they hire me. Right? <laughs> I mean, if, if Disney hires me for Star Wars, <laughs> then hell yeah. But until then, it doesn't matter what I want them to do. Right. They're not gonna. <laughs> right. And with something like that, they probably won't anyway. They'll just fire me. So, you know, I mean, it's a tricky thing. No, fan engagement is awesome. And, yeah. and we love it. We do. Like, it's better than not having it. Mm-hmm. But, but it, when you have your own headcanon, like that headcanon, just like you said, that headcanon needs to be something that entertains you and it's super fun and it's cool to talk about with other fans. But, you know, realize the author has got a hard enough gig trying to do what they've set out to do. Mm-hmm. They're already second guessing themselves and, and, and trying to just, you know, that's the, every author will think, go into a book. I don't care who you are. You know, Steinbeck went into Grapes of Wrath with the like the best of intentions. And then when he finished it, we have a letter from him saying like, I set out to write this great book and now it's just a book. Grapes of fucking wrath. Like Steinbeck said that, right? He got to the end of the process and still was down on himself. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. We're always going to feel, we're always going to feel like we didn't quite get there. 
Always, mm-hmm. no matter whether mm-hmm. we did or not, whether we knocked it out of the park or not, we're always going to be a little disappointed. Um, and so, you know, you telling us like a reader telling us like, well, this is where I was super disappointed, like direct to our face. Like there's a shitload of stuff. I wish JK Rowling had done differently in Harry Potter. <laughs> a shitload. But you know what? <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, who am I? Who am I? <laughs> right (laughs) yeah we i we we do a lot of uh kind of nonsense discussion like that where we're talking about uh something in the book that we're uh uh i don't know questioning or something like that but it's always we i think we we always try to take it as this is what the author wrote and so if there's if there's something that I think a character is being dumb about that's because the character is being dumb about this, not because the author made it like did something weird. It's because this is what we think the character is doing or something about the, the world that is, can explain this, that we are questioning or something. And that's not, that's for every book that we, that we run across. So it's like, I, I, we, we tried, I know we tried, I don't know if other people try to do this where they, try to explain it in world rather than try to like go outside and bring in like, Oh, this is not how this, uh, I don't know, building works in our world. So it shouldn't work in this world. We always try to try to like explain it in, in, in a way that's fun and, and works out for the, for the book. Right. Well, and odds are, odds are the stuff you're, you're a lot, some of the stuff you are mad about or, or find issue with is a, is a, is something the author will tell you, I just couldn't get there. Like it is a flaw, but I mean, the book is written, whether it's self-published or traditionally published. I mean, self-publishers have an ability to go back in and really change, but unless it's just a massive plot hole that you could drive a Mack truck through, why? Like the thing is the authors do make mistakes and we do tackle things that are hard. Right. And in really any creative pursuit, it doesn't matter whether you're getting paid for it or not. You're challenging yourself. Right. And sometimes you don't quite hit it. And and if it's dialogue or action or from my personal thing, like description of architecture, like there's things that are just difficult. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes the difficult things make you better because you rise to that challenge and you push yourself and you don't get lazy and you, 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 you improve and you, you're like, Oh fuck yeah. I can be proud of that. And, and, mm-hmm. and what's funny is those moments readers don't usually acknowledge because they don't see it because they just, <laughs> right. they're just like, Oh, you know, right. that part worked yeah. and they just move on. And then they'll hit you with the stuff that didn't work. And odds are could be, that's a mistake too. And you can own that and you can say, yeah, I, I really didn't hit that the way I wanted. That's fair. The worst is when it's something you're super proud of that you really struggled <laughs> with that you feel like you like, Oh, I really worked at that. And I nailed that. And then people are like, that seems stupid. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, okay. Uh... <laughs> yeah. So I know it's a tough thing, but you know, that's what separates the hobbyists from the professionals. If you're putting yourself out there to be judged, then that's the difference because yeah. anyone can write all day and stick it in a drawer. But the moment you publish and I don't care because I started self-published, I am not saying that publishing equals having a big book deal. I am saying publish the minute that you have an audience, the minute that you want, you are inviting readers into that space and you're saying, hey, judge me. That's what separates you out. And so we're asking for it in, in some ways, but there is, I think, a, a disconnect. 
Mm. We are asking for it, but feedback from people we don't know who are about nine months at minimum down the pipeline isn't helpful. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah. You know, so and, and now other authors will disagree. I have heard people say like, oh, I really want your feedback so I know how to improve. If you thought my action or my dialogue sucked, tell me mm-hmm. so that I'll improve. My thing is, is that I'm too far ahead of that. Like I'm, it's not, it's not going to do me any good at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's, it's a tricky thing. Everyone's got to find their own, uh, own way of working in a creative space. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to give you, give anyone like, this is the hardcore advice. Um, but you know, look, don't, my thing is one star reviews are always emotional. Those are revenge reviews. That is, you got offended, you took issue. My thing is, if you see it, you're actually giving me constructive criticism, you're probably giving me two or three stars. One star yeah. is you got mad or you got offended <laughs> and you're knee jerking and you're trying to hurt me or you're trying to hurt the book. You don't want anyone else to read it because of what you went through. Yeah. Conversely, five star reviews is usually a friend or family member trying to help you out. I mean, that's just the way it is. Like, five star reviews are usually oh, yeah. a friend or family member trying to help you out. My thing oh, is yeah. three and four stars or even two stars is are really legit. Those are the people who who usually are are ha- I have something to say and they're being. But you know, look, like reader reviews are for readers. Mm-hmm. Reader yeah, reviews right. are not for writers. It just mm-hmm. that that's just what. It's not that we think we're better than you. It's just there's nothing we can do with that. Mm-hmm. There's nothing we can do with it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I got it serious again. We can go back to talking no. about like <laughs> you know. We can, we can go, we can play another game. It's cool. <laughs> it was never. Good. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, before we uh, before um, we wrap up. Yeah, Americans need to buy more bastards books. That's what I need to plug. Um, no, so the first, the second book, the second book, the True Bastards, is out. Um, the the UK British audiences love the Bastards books. Somehow my fellow countrymen are lagging behind. I don't know what the deal is. Um, so I'm kind of like David Hasselhoff right now. I'm like a big deal in Europe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, that's, and that's cool. That's cool. It's better to be that than nothing. Um, but yeah, no. So, so Grey Bastards is out. Uh, I assume if anyone's listened to this, they probably read that. True Bastards is out. Mm-hmm. be awesome if they read that. Um, other than that, I mean, that's it. I, I don't have anything else going on. I mean, this is kind of where I'm focused right now. So, uh, you know, people talking about it, whether it's like this water cooler conversation, leaving reviews, Goodreads, Reddit, all that stuff's really good. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, I hope, I hope people continue like, cause it's kind of a cult following. So I hope it continues to grow. It'd be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, no, that's really it. I, I appreciate the chance to kind of come on and have a good time with it. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for coming on. You you provided us with a lot of entertainment with with reading the book, talking about it, and and talking to you. So that, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been super yeah. fun. Well, thank Job done then. Yeah, so uh, I just want to say thanks again to Jonathan. Uh, we had a great time talking to him. Um, definitely check out True Bastards. You've already read Grey Bastards and know it's great. Um, so keep an eye out on the Lotland series uh and get excited because uh you know we're gonna be coming at you next week with a little bit of the silver sorceress by alec hudson and we're gonna be bringing 
some hot takes, I think, Luke. Definitely, definitely. And we're going to be acting like some dumb nerds. Yeah.